0: to dream it there it do it live the life you want i am your host jasmine and today i have the pleasure to have judith Sedgman with us hi judith
1: hi how are you i'm great and it's a pleasure to be here i'm very happy to be here
0: thank you i'm very happy that you accepted <laughs> the offer um to the 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 listeners and the viewers judith is like what you know we the 17th generation called the first generation like she's she's, she learned three principles from like the first people who were talking about it and uh, she's been talking about it ever since right and so uh it's interesting to I love having these conversations with you guys I've had Mavis on also oh Mavis uh, is wonderful yeah yeah we have great conversations so I really love having it because it's simple, right? You guys keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we kind of like add stuff, but you like the, the space just is so clean and, yeah. and simple. That's basically what that is. Yeah. Um, so, but are, are you still working like today? Cause like, yeah. I
1: mean, so yeah, I just got off the phone with a client. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so That's what you do. You basically you do coach people. And you, or is is it coaching or consulting? Well, I,
1: I don't consider it coaching because to me, coaching is a one up, one down. Okay. So I I always have loved the expression that I think I first heard years years and years ago in California from Mark, Dr. Mark Howard, who uh, said, uh, "What we really do is a partnership of health." So yeah. I see myself as a facilitator of the well being myself and other people. And uh, coaching always feels to me like I'm supposed to know more than other people know. And that's not how it works. You know, we all have the same access to wisdom. So, but it is, you know, by any other name, I do work with individuals. I call myself a mental health mentor and I do a lot of webinars and I also am now pretty dedicated to teaching other people to do what I do. So a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, I, I I really love that. I mean, for yeah. me, um, what I do, I work with companies. I work with uh-huh. solopreneurs and I help people um, set up their business the way that they oh. want to set up their business. Yeah. Right? And my access is through the three principles, you know, like it's yeah. kind of like, OK, so what do you want to do? And then we go we go through the, go the whole yeah. process. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, OK. Let's get clear about what you want to do. Cause a lot of people, you know, they, they want to do something, but then they have all the thinking around wh- how it should be done, why yeah. it should be done, why it shouldn't be done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they have all of that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> That's very having, true. I, I, I just love having the conversations and just getting them started. Cause my, my, my experience is once they just get into the movement, Like get, get moving. Like new stuff occurs.
1: Right. You don't know what you're going to do till it's right in front of you. Actually, you know, that's one of the things that uh, is so funny that you said that, because the, when I first got involved in the principles, I had been at several careers, but my career at that time was that I was the CEO of a medical practice management business. And I would help doctors, new doctors that came into town, set up their practices or, Mergers, you know, physicians merging or physicians entering or leaving a healthcare system and that kind of thing and uh, their daily operations and hiring staff. So I was kind of like you. I would try to get them to tell me what kind of practice they wanted. What, and half the time they would go like, well, aren't you supposed to know that? And I'm going to say, well, I can't tell you how to live your life you know, this before I knew anything about the principles, I would say, you know, you've got to tell me how you want to live your life as a doctor, and then I'll help you to find a way to do that. And they were always so shocked. It's like, oh, I thought I would just go to you. And you would say, well, you should open an office here. And these are your people. And and, you know, it doesn't that doesn't work out. You can't enforce other people's lives. But um, it's a wonderful thing when you see your clients, you know, kind of wake up to their own ideas and get excited about it. Yeah,
0: that is like, I call that getting inspired. I, said, yeah. I, I like I love it when I said because I have this thing that's called Get Koji with it. So I got I got to get clear. <laughs> Yeah. get organized, get going, and then yeah. they'll get inspired. And I yeah. know inevitably they get inspired. And sometimes yeah. they just jump from get clear to get inspired as soon yeah. as clarity hits. Right. Everything in between just
1: yeah. takes care of itself.
0: Takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. And that's something that <clears throat> I'm totally confident about. And and what, when I talk, what I also love to do is like, when I talk to clients is like, you need nothing of this. You, you, you don't need me. You actually don't need anything. Yeah. I can assist you mm-hmm. and I can guide you and tell you what about this? What about that? What about this? But yeah, that's it. You don't need me.
1: You, yeah. We, you know, interestingly, Jasmine, one of the first uh, big insights that I had when I got involved with the principles in the beginning <clears throat> I I reinvented consulting in, in my business because I had come up through life always believing that you you were selling your knowledge. you know, like a, a consultant was a person who knew a lot of stuff and could translate and transfer that stuff to clients. Yeah. And um, we used to and I used to have this very strange experience and it was, it was disturbing to me. We always started our, our interactions with clients with what I called a practice evaluation. And that would mean we would go into uh, either their plan for their practice or if they had an existing pras- practice, look at the existing practice and look at what was working, what wasn't working, you know, how it would likely play out and, and all the implications of, you know, the, the unintended consequences of things that they were looking to do and so on. And we would write these very cogent reports for them, which were well done with charts and graphs and everything else like consultants do. And we would have a meeting with them and we'd present our report and they always, always, always loved it. They would say, oh, this is great. This is, oh, this is so helpful. And, and then they had a choice. They could either take the report and carry it on, on their own, or they could hire us. So I would say it was probably 60, 40, 60% would hire us and 40% would say, Oh, this is, we can do it now. You know? So when the one, the ones that did that, I would always call them in a month or two months and say, well, how's it going? Just checking in, you know, to see if there's anything in any questions or anything we can help you with. And they would all, they would say, well, you know, we were very excited about it. We've been so busy. We really haven't had a chance to get started. And, You know, we haven't done anything yet, and uh, but, you know, we still have the report, and we're very appreciative, and they always paid us. They always thought it was great. And so I was thinking, like, why didn't they do it? The night that we presented that report, they were all into it and, yeah, we're going to get on this right away, and then they just didn't do it. Well, after I got involved in the principles, I realized it's because it was my ideas, not their ideas, or our ideas, if it was yeah. my whole group of working together, but and I thought, no wonder they can't do it because they didn't think of it. And you can't do somebody else's inspiration; you got to do your own inspiration. Yeah. So I chucked that whole system, and my staff was terrified. <laughs> I came in and I said, "Okay, we're going to do everything entirely different." We used to have long involved meetings with our existing clients and present them a lot of detailed information about their practice and I think that was insecurity on our part because the reason they hired us is they didn't want to deal with all that stuff and so we went down to a single page with just the financial highlights and if they had questions they knew we had the big you know pile of papers if they needed it but nobody ever asked about it they would They would look at the highlights and they would be completely satisfied or they might have a couple of questions. And then instead of talking about what we thought they should do, the rest of the meeting was about what would you like to do? How can we help you to do your dream, whatever it might be? And especially for our groups, often that was the only time these doctors really had a chance to sit around together and think about it, reflect on it, imagine it. And they would come up with ideas and actually it enhanced our business because they always wanted to do bigger things than we would have made up for them, you know, because they they knew what they were doing. They were that was their business. So they might say, yeah, we want to look for a piece of property. We want to build a big diagnostic center. Well, yeah, I would never suggest that to someone because that's a huge investment. And, you know, but if they came up with it, they would be unafraid. And they would say, you know, so can you help us do that? And of course we could. And so it kind of switched the whole relationship to instead of us being the smart people with the ideas, we were the facilitators of their imagination. And it was a much happier, it's more like you, you know, it's we were, it was a much happier experience. But that just came to me one Saturday morning while I was drinking my coffee. I thought, I got consulting completely backwards. And that's why these people, unless they hire us and just go along with it, that's why they don't do what they thought they wanted to do that night we had the meeting.
0: Yeah. Well, I think think it was also innocently, you know, you had it all backward because innocently, that's how consulting worked. Right. You know? Exactly.
1: That was the whole, as a matter of fact, all my friends who were consultants thought I was crazy until they saw that I was successful. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, And I remember, <clears throat> I know, cause I used to work with, I, I used to work as a, um, I would help, I would, I would consult with a consultant. So I would kind of be like his, his person, you know, mm-hmm. that, so he'd bring me in the clients and, Yeah, We get the, we get the gig. And then by the time I was finished with it, like so many things had opened up because Mm -hmm. they'd be like, they'd be like, well, I would love to do this. Okay. Well, I can do that for you. Well, what do you want? Just hold on. Let's do it. You know? And then be like, and it was like done like this. They, sometimes people think that what they want to do is just too hard. Yeah, Right. So they don't even look, look past it. Yeah, I don't look at that. Somebody says, I want to do this. I kind of go, okay,
1: okay, yeah, let's well, go. I can do you. it. We can see how to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 So it's, and, and, you know, the more that I worked in, you know, I've been, I I got certified with Michael. I, I, I studied with Michael a lot. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, you know, I got opened up to everybody else yeah. in, <laughs> in the community. But what I'm seeing more and more is that. Um, if I come, when I come from my heart mm-hmm. and I just listen, yeah, then look for what's there and see what's possible, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to today my business, you know, when I told you that I had set up my desk, I mm-hmm. have a new desk to all my listeners. I have a new desk. I'm so excited. It's a standing <laughs> desk. So <laughs> Like, cause I've been that's so busy great. that I was constantly sitting down, mm-hmm. right? And my body was like, Doesn't my like body's that. not liking that part. So now I have a standing mess.
1: That's so great. now I
0: can stand, stand up during the day and, and still continue to work. And that's kind of like what I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, my, my goal was like, okay, well, I want to work.
1: <laughs> but I need to get up sometimes. Yeah.
0: But I need to get up sometimes. Yeah. What's the yeah. alternative? And then I saw yeah. the possibility instead of not seeing the possibility.
1: Right. You know? Right,
0: so That's I true. think it's interesting that you that was like you that that was one of your first insight. What what was another insight? I would love to hear another insight. What was oh, one okay. of Okay, well, insights? my
1: my first personal insight was I had been to uh, my as I think I mentioned to you my my uh, first introduction of the principles with was with Doctor Bill Pettit, who was a practicing psychiatrist in the town where my business was, and he was new. And, um, and, and he was looking for somebody to manage the business end of his practice because he was so busy. So I, he became a client. And then as soon as he became a client, of course, I realized that what he was doing was really different from the other psychiatrists I knew. And like, for example, I would go by his office, like to drop off some paperwork or something. And I'd hear laughter coming from like the waiting room and the group room and or his office and I go like people don't laugh in the psychiatrist's office they usually come out crying you know and I was very curious and interested in what he was doing and that's how I got involved in this work but when I first saw it I didn't see it as something I would do separate from I thought I would continue to do my business and just come from a different place and I ended up in a very different I ended up doing something much more daring than that, but, but um, my first, I was driving home, I'd been to a group that Bill did just listening to him talk and I was driving home and I was listening to NPR, which I always did on my way home. And they had a report about long distance truck drivers and the fact that the Interstate Commerce Commission had just enacted uh, a new rule that required long-distance truck drivers to stop after eight hours. And, and they had to rest for X number of hours, and they had to log all of that in. And that rule went into place because there were so many uh, accidents caused by drivers of these big rigs, you know, falling asleep at the wheel. And uh, they they realized people weren't getting enough rest. So I'm driving home listening to this thing, and all of a sudden I thought, Oh my God! I don't sleep more than two or three hours a night, and then I thought, because I was so busy, and and I thought, here I am. I'm running a business. I'm a banker's wife. I'm doing all the social things affiliated with that. I'm managing my house. I'm raising a preteen daughter, and 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 I wouldn't even qualify to drive furniture across country. <laughs> And I was like, you know, what what do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You are definitely sleep deprived. And I didn't, you know, now it's not like nobody ever told me I should get more rest, you know, but I didn't pay attention to them because I was busy. But when I had that idea, I realized I am sleep deprived. And then I thought to myself, why am I sitting up at two o'clock in the morning ironing. I mean, I could take stuff to the cleaners. I've got a job, you know, <laughs> it's like, I just didn't, I just reexamined my whole life. Cause I was trying to be all things to all people and live up to this unreasonable, unreasonable expectation of what I could do. Because back then that was the days when women were supposed to do everything, you know, yeah. but, um, and so that night I went to bed early and i slept for like seven or eight hours and i woke up the next morning i felt like a different person i couldn't even remember feeling that good and and that my life changed completely with that one insight just driving home thinking you're not even qualified to drive furniture across country and you're trying to run a business etc so that was a big insight and then uh the other insight I had was that was funny is that uh, I was pulling out. Of, we lived in Florida at the time, and we lived in a, a pretty street, and it, everybody had gardens, and you know it was very tropical. and and, um, and I was pulling out of my driveway one morning, and I noticed, gosh, people have the most beautiful flowers, and they're so colorful. Their yards are so. I wasn't looking behind me at my own. I'm looking at everybody else's on my way through the neighborhood to go to work. And I noticed that all these doors were painted really pretty colors. And and I at that time, that was back in the days we had car phones. And I called my husband, who was at work already, and I said, uh, you know, I, I think that people have been on a big improvement project in our neighborhood, and we kind of missed out on it. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, everybody's doors painted a really pretty color, and there's all these gorgeous flowers, and it's so pretty. And he said, well, Our door is blue, Judy. We just painted it. And I said, Oh, yeah, that's right. And he said, And we have a garden. We have all kinds of pretty flowers. And honestly, I realized at that moment that I had been so busy minded and so could I get in the car and drive around and all I was thinking about is my work or some problem. And I was seeing the world in black and white and didn't know it. And I just, you know, after I started getting more rest and then I woke up that morning and I just saw color. Mm-hmm. And I thought everybody had hired somebody we didn't we somehow missed the message. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And basically I had been living in this beautiful neighborhood and never never appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was amazing. I mean, I really my my husband was laughing at me. He said, You know, well I can't believe you missed it, but okay. <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. So <laughs> um so that was that was. It's, it's funny how insights are. I mean, sometimes they're profound and deep and yeah. and really meaningful, and sometimes it's just you know a realization that of something almost funny.
0: Yeah, and it's also uh, like you you said a little earlier. You said it's not like I didn't know. Right. I I I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I just didn't like, think I
1: could. I thought I was too busy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because I, you know, like something happened to me uh, just the, the other day, actually, just a few weeks ago. And um, so I've been, you know, I've been in the conversation of the three principles for a while. I mean, since 2013, I've been, yeah. you know, studying and exploring. And mm-hmm. and now I'm like more and more active. And I, mm-hmm. I have the, the flow of life community. I've got the podcast, yeah. you know, like I've got some understanding, you know. Yeah. And but there's this thing with me, which is uh, my body. You know, I've had this conversation about my body all my life. I mean, mm-hmm. people started telling me I was fat when I was six. So, I mean, hey, I'm fat, you know. Yeah. But the things that I didn't realize was that it was all coming from me. Like, yeah, it did come out like it did come out. But all the thinking was coming from me. Mm-hmm. and so but and i was i was very angry you mm-hmm. know i was i never realized how how the anger was actually just thought that yeah I had. like i just yeah it it never crossed my mind that it wasn't true that i'm going to i'm fat forever mm-hmm. it wasn't true and, you know, I use the word fat and might offend people. Let's just say I'm overweight, you know, like.
1: Yeah, I'm, well, it doesn't offend you. I mean, people are different. And everybody's yeah, different. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But it was kind of like, it was kind of like I I, I had the, these thoughts, like I don't cook. Right? I, I just don't cook. Mm-hmm. I'm single. I live alone. I order mm-hmm. out. I eat at the restaurant. And just like now I'm telling you and I'm like, it's so ridiculous because I cook all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if you would have asked me I would have said no no I don't cook and yeah. I tell my friends like and I told them that yeah, I don't cook and they're like uh can I show you the picture of all the food that you send me every time you cook you send me a picture <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> you know so yeah that was it was just very funny and it's kind of like and and sometimes it's things that people have told you then mm-hmm. like You know, people have told me, yeah, Jasmine, you can cook. I'd be like, no, I don't cook. Like I would be, I'd have my dukes up and I'd be like, don't you, don't you. Like I was always on the defensive. Defensive. Yeah. And this girl just told me, I was talking to her and I was like, I like to just yap. I don't know if you
1: noticed." I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like it too.
0: (laughs) I like to talk and I like to just say things. And what I like also is that I hear what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Cause I didn't always, you know, right. that's one of, one of the things that I didn't always hear the words coming out of my mouth. And so I'm, t- I'm talking to this girl and I'm listening to what I'm saying, but I'm so confident. <laughs> I'm so confident that this is the truth, the yeah. truth. Of course. Yeah. And then she says to me, she says, Jasmine, I can hear the anger. That's not you. And I. <laughs> It was a mind-blown, Judith. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not anger. I'm love. Yeah. I, I love. That anger is not me. It's just yeah. thinking. Thinking so angry thoughts. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, since then, I've been cooking. <laughs> you know? And admitting I've, it. Okay. Yeah. I've been standing. I've been mm-hmm. standing up. I've been going on walks with my dog. I've been pushing myself more because Mm -hmm. that, you know, the thinking was, okay, well, I'm overweight. So it's normal that I have a hard time breathing. Yeah. It's just normal. It's because I'm overweight. No, it's like work your work it, jazz. Just right. But as soon as I would hit a little bit of a, okay, I got to go
1: rest. Now it's kind
0: of like, No. You know, yeah,
1: what? pause, take a deep breath, gig. yeah, yeah, right. Push it. Yeah. So right.
0: I'm looking forward to see what that's where it's gonna go. But yeah. it's interesting to see how sometimes <laughs> like you you hear it intellectually, you understand anything, but mm-hmm. until you've actually seen it inside you. Yeah. There's no change possible. Right. I used to call it once you own it, like yeah. once you you actually take it for yourself and you go, oh, man.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's All what an is. insight is. It's you owning the thoughts that you have and, and seeing beyond them. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's funny because I, I used to listen to doctors about my own health. But um, I came I came kind of up against it first when I, I was I was at this time that I was running this business before I met Doctor Pettit. I was so stressed out, and I kept thinking, you know, I got to get out of this business. This business is killing me. It really was co- complicated, and there were a lot of people and had a lot of clients, and it was a lot to do and. Was a lot of thinking, <laughs> and prior to that, I'd been a newspaper reporter, it was a whole different thing. At the end of the day, you wrote your story and went home, and you were done, you know, until tomorrow. But I never got it off my mind once I started this business. And um, so I went to see my physician, and my, my family physician said, You know, Judy. You are, you are way too stressed and your blood pressure is way too high for somebody your age. And he said, you're, you're not going to live long if you keep on like this. And he wanted to give me at that time, the drug of choice for people under stress was Valium. He wanted to give me Valium. And I said, I'm not taking Valium. I need to have my head clear. You know, I work hard and I work. And I said, you know, the work that I do, I've got to be able to think and I can't be in a fog. And most of the people I knew that took valium were in sort of a fog, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, I just, I'm not going to take it. And he said, well, I can't, I don't know. I don't have, I have nothing else to offer you. So you, you either get a handle on the stress or just, you know, you won't live long. And, um, so I then met Dr. Pettit. And of course, my, as I learned the principles and got more involved in and met Sid and met other people, and my whole life started to change dramatically. My whole outlook started to change dramatically. And I started to understand that the same mind that was creating all this stress and distress could create anything. You know, it's like, if I can make that up, I could make up, I'm okay. You know. <laughs> and so what happened is my blood pressure went down and all these little things that I was having trouble with sort of went away. And so six or eight months later, I went back to my family physician for a regular checkup and... And he said, what are you taking? What, what is what, what, what did you start taking a drug? Did you get something from somebody else? And I said, no, I'm not taking anything. And he said, well, your blood pressure is normal and you look good and you're not stressed anymore. So what, what have you done? And I said, I just learned about what stress is and where it comes from. And then I was doing it to myself and I quit doing it. And he said, I don't think that's possible And I said, you just told me (laughs) I'm fine. And now you're telling me it's not possible. And he said, no, come on. What what are you, what are you doing different? And I said, thinking differently and seeing life differently and being at peace and, you know, things like that. And he's, he still couldn't believe it. And so he said, well, I don't know. He said, I don't understand what you're telling me, but if it's whatever's whatever's going on, just keep doing that because you're fine. And um, so <laughs> I've always thought about that because I thought, you know, why did I always listen to these doctors like they knew everything, you know, because there's you have wisdom inside of yourself. So, you know, fast forward a number of years because that was probably 40, almost 40 years ago. Um, a few years ago, I had a shoulder replacement and my shoulder was really very arthritic and it was really in bad shape and the doctor told me I could lift my arm about to just above my chest and that's it and as soon as I got that high it would start to tremble and I'd have all this pain and I couldn't go any higher so it was virtually I was one-handed for several years (laughs) and so when I went to see the doctor finally and he told me about doing the shoulder replacement he said well you know your shoulder is so deteriorated I've got to do this different surgery and The most you can expect probably is to be able to reach the back of your head, but at least you'd be able to brush your hair and, you know, brush your teeth and, you know, do more and, you know, maybe lift things a little higher and uh, you won't have pain. And I said, well, that's good enough for me, so that's fine. I'll do that. So I get out of the surgery and, you know, I go to physical therapy and I, sure enough, I could get to the back of my head. So then I started going to a gym. And working out with them. when the physical therapy ran out, I joined a gym and was going to go work with a trainer. So look at this. Now, I I just raised my hand straight up. For those of you who don't see this, I've been yes. raised my hand straight up in the air, and it goes just like the other one. Yeah. And all the way as far as I can reach. And I said to my trainer, I said, you know, it's funny because the doctor told me that was not possible. And he said, well, if, in his mind, it wasn't, <laughs> but he said, yeah. he said, I'm a physical trainer and I can tell you that you have a muscle there and it will learn. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, how, why did, how could I, how could I miss that for so many years? You know, I was always accepting the limitations other people suggested, you know, like somebody told me one time, you'll never water ski, you're too clumsy. So i have never water skied. Well, I thought I'm not plenty of clumsy people water ski. I mean, what was that to do, with it, you know? Yeah. But I believed it, and I I think that that, that is the kind of the subtlety of our thinking is that we've taken on things that other people have said to us, either because they're an authority figure or they frightened us, or you know, for whatever reason and we hurt our feelings and we took it to heart, and then we we lose sight of what we can do for ourselves you know that there is no limitation but thought because you know even with pain I just had a conversation with another client about pain you know I I used to work in a uh, in the in a pain clinic at the medical school where I was on the faculty and I I uh, did groups in this pain clinic and they were all people with long with chronic pain that was never going to be like fibromyalgia or inju- accident injuries, you know, things that had happened to them where they had pain ex- expected to have pain for the rest of their life. And at first I was really intimidated by that because I thought, you know, how do you, how do you not hurt people's feelings if they have pain by trying to get them to get it off their mind, you know, because they're, they're, they're really suffering and it's not going to change. And then I thought, Where did I get that idea? Well, I got that idea from the doctors that didn't want me to do this group, you know, because the dean of the medical school had volunteered me to do this group. And they thought, what's what's the point of giving these people false hope? And then I suddenly had the insight. There's another insight. I was sitting at home thinking about the group that I was going to start the following week. And I thought, you know, it's not the pain group. It's how to live without suffering. Like all of us have limitations. All of us have actual impediments to things that we plan or hope to do. You know, like some people have birth defects, some people have crippling injuries, and they really can't walk. Some people have whatever they have. And the deal in life is not to wish that you were different, but just to love this the way you are and make the most of it and not let it stop you from what you want to do. And I so I went in and I said to the first meeting of the pain clinic group I said you know I'm not here to tell you anything untrue about your pain I don't know all of you are in different degrees of pain experiencing it differently and it could last the rest of your life or it could pass we don't know ever but I do know this that pain is pain and suffering is how you think about the pain and if you think about the pain all the time you always suffer And if the pain becomes like bad music on an elevator, you forget about it. And, you know, people could relate to that. And there were so many people in that group that got to the point where they they came to peace with their pain. And instead of thinking, oh, I can't do that, it's too painful, or they would think, well, I'll give it a shot, you know. And they would get involved and engaged in life again, and then the pain would step into the background. Not that it wasn't there. I wasn't curing people. But it's within each of us to cure our own thinking about how we address situations in life.
0: Yeah. You know, what I've started doing, or Mm -hmm. I've been doing for a while now, I should say, is if I hear a restriction, Mm -hmm. like if I go, like, you know, when I went to see my doctor a couple of years ago, and he he told me, what he told me, he says, oh, by the way, your weight is... uh, is it's time for you to get the gastric bypass. Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, what, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. Yeah. why are you suggesting that to me? What about, you know, I was yeah. kind of like, I don't really want to talk to you no more. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you, you're like, Done that's with that. giving yeah. me an icky feeling. You know, yeah. like it was just giving me, and somebody might say, oh, okay, and it might have a good feeling, but I personally have an icky feeling. and. I've been not, since then I found it's it, I found a clinic near uh where I live and it's called Clinic Inspiration like so oh, they're wonderful. like wonderful and I thought okay got to go there I want to go see what that was about Look, they could have just had the the name but yeah really I love them because like I had a shoulder problem that's why my, my old desk is changed because yeah. I, the way that I'm sitting and I have a dog that you haven't seen because I stopped taking her in my arms, but I would have her in my arms and I would work. I just love having her. Yeah,
1: no, <laughs> you know? I, I totally get that. I have a cat and I'm, I I get it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, but my shoulder got frozen. Like I could, this is, I could do this with my shoulder. Yeah. Basically. So you, but you know now, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Here I am. Right. Yeah. And, and I also thought that if it hurts, don't touch it. That's what I thought in my body. That's how it's like, okay, it hurts here. Don't, don't touch there. Just don't touch it. And when I go see them, they'd be like touching. They, I, when I'd say, ow, they'd go, oh, great. I have the right spot.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: And I'd be like, yeah, but it hurts. He says, yeah, it hurts. It's not supposed to hurt. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not supposed to hurt. He says, it's not supposed to hurt. If you didn't have attention, it wouldn't hurt. And now I have my trusty massage gun Uh and now when when i like now i feel hurt i'm gonna push on this a little later and i know i'm gonna release it yeah but now i've learned that if it hurts it's not supposed to hurt so you gotta release there's something that's not working well but i i would never seen that before yeah you know And when I go there also, I do, I do, I exercise and, you know, I have, I don't have flexibility. I'm having a hard time moving myself. Like, you know, when she tells me to go on the ground, I really, really don't like it. Cause you know, it's like, I have to get up after.
1: Right. I I totally get that. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So, but now I get down and then, and then I get up and because I understand the three principles, I know that it's thought Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh man, my thinking is freaking out right now. And yeah. I'm like and then I tell the girl and I'm like my thinking is saying this will never get better. And yeah. she's like, "No." Yeah. "Stop it." And I'm just like, "Okay. Okay." Mm-hmm. So like there's like these people that just know what they're talking about and you can feel it. Right. And I'm just like, "I actually see hope." Yeah. You know, like I see hope right now and I'm like and I think of my shoulder because I went to see them and I when this was happening I was like oh my god I'm 52 and my shoulders bummed. yeah you know like the thinking is oh that's it I'm done yeah but yeah it could have been done mm-hmm.
1: I could yeah, have. a lot of people are Jasmine that's the sad truth in life is there's so many people I I uh this past week I was asked my trainer that I work with at the gym um, is setting up a program at a rec center, which, uh, which is in a residential area that has a lot of older people that live there. It's a very pretty area. It's kind of woodsy, and it's rural, and it's pretty. And they have this big rec center, and they have a lot of pro- programs for new people, but they want to focus more on the older community as well. So they asked uh, my, my trainer who works there and designs programs for them, um, asked me if I would make a video with him about you're never too old to get better you know. because <laughs> I am 79. So, you know, I'm uh, hoping to be better on my 80th birthday than I was on my 70th, you know, as my goal. And I, so far it's working out. So, um, so I, I went out there to do the video and the director of the program was sitting in just, you know, kind of monitoring how things were going. There's a cameraman and me and the trainer and then the director. And the director is, I immediately made the link between thinking you can't do things and actually not being able to do them. You know, that there's a gap between, some people think they can do things they they can't, like jump out a window and fly, and that's crazy. But also, some people think they can't do things that they could do if they could calm down, de-stress you know, think, think in a different way about it, or take it slow, take small steps, find somebody that really knows how to lead them through. And so I'm talking about all this. And the director is looking kind of disturbed. And he said to me afterwards, we don't have a mental, mental component in our programs. And I said, well, you should, (laughs) you know, especially if you're working with people that are older, that sometimes stress, grief, loss, uh, loneliness, sadness, Fear, you know, a lot of the things that afflict older people, especially when they're suddenly on their own or their lives change dramatically, which they do, um, they got to realize that that's that's not just a mental thing. It's a mind-body thing. Mm -hmm. So you start thinking of yourself. You start thinking of the end instead of just living your life day to day and taking every living day as a wonderful day. And um, so he looks at me and he says, we should probably get you to do a program for us. <laughs> and I thought that was very sweet. And I said I'd be happy to, you know, but, but um, that, that's the mystic piece is people do not realize the power of thought, that our thinking does indeed create our doesn't create the living room, but it creates how we feel about the living room, what we see in the living room, what we like about the living room. You know, so we, we always tell people your thinking creates your reality and they take it literally and they go like, no, the table's been here all along and I just, entr-. that's true. But you see that table through your eyes and somebody else looking at the same table would have a whole different thought about it. And I used to in groups when I did groups for uh, teenagers and they would argue about, you know, the reality versus, you know, what's reality. And I said, okay, fine. I'm going to ask everybody in the room now to do a shared experiment. And so I just close your eyes and think about a dog. Everybody knows what a dog is, right? Oh yeah. We all know what a dog is. Okay, great. Close your eyes and think about a dog. And then I would ask the people in a classroom, I'd ask them each to describe their dog. Well, nobody thought about the same dog, but yeah, they all know how to think about a dog. (laughs) And that's the thing is we have to realize that we are living in our own way of thinking about our reality and assuming that that's the only reality, and it isn't. It's just the thought we have about it right now, and we could change our minds, and we could see it differently, or we could not see it at all. We could see I'm not going to. I'm going to ignore that thing. I don't. I can't deal with it. You know, it's not my thing. And I think that that's uh, you know, when you talk about weight loss, I know uh, a lot of people are so consumed thinking about what weight they are, that that's all they think about. And it makes it very hard to have any kind of change because it's like when you think about dieting all the time, you're thinking about food. Yeah, And so, yeah, you know, obviously when you're thinking about food all the time, you're hungry. You know, you start thinking, well, I'll just take a little bite of this or I'll finish this off and then I won't buy another one. You know, like if you have donuts in the house or something. And But if you think about life, and just the life you're living and, and enjoying every day and getting enjoying the sunshine, enjoying breathing the air, enjoying your dog, enjoying your life, and you just eat to nurture yourself when you need to, it's a natural thing to, do, to eat healthier. Because the thing that keeps and I've been this route, you know, and I've dieted and lost and gained and lost and gained, in my whole life it's been up and down. And I realized at some point about eight years ago, yeah, when I had my knees replaced, when I had my first knee replacement, I decided I really needed to not be trying to carry this much weight on my knee after I got my new knee. So uh, and, I, and I lost weight before I had my knee replaced. And well, then I thought I can't gain it. So I thought, well, I just forget about it. I'm just going to live a healthy life. But now I've got a better knee so I can move more. So it should work out great. And then I just got it off my mind. And I've had no problem maintaining. I've been the same weight now for almost 10 years. Uh, and just never think about what I'm eating because I just eat to live. Yeah. But I spend a lot of time thinking about it all the time. No, you can't have that. No, you shouldn't do that. No, don't do that. Own no, the grocery store. Stay away from that. And that just is a very unpleasant way to live. But again, yeah. that's the power of thought, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the power of thought. Definitely. And it's kind of like, you know, you know, uh, like I told you, the podcast is live the life you want. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's, but there's one thing that I did notice is that some there's, it's the want that I'm talking about has to come from your heart, not from on top of thinking,
1: you know, Exactly. And, and I
0: think that that's what I, I personally did. And it was innocent. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do it. And everybody told me and I was stubborn, whatever. It yeah. it was like, I was, I was, let's say I was doing what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was on top of anger on top. of yeah. I'm going to show you, right. you know, like it was on yeah. top of that crap. So right. I mean, what did it give me? It gave me crap. Now yeah. I think that it's really more of a, now it's I'm 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 reaching the love, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm reaching yeah. the love, and yeah. that's why I feel it more hopeful in in this moment. And I'm hearing yeah. different things also, like you yeah. know, like because you're coming from a different place, you hear right. things differently.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, when your level of consciousness goes up, you you live in a different world. It's the same yeah. world, but it looks different to you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's beautiful because
1: thought. our natural our natural. Our natural self, our true self, is love. Yeah. You know, love is the engine behind all of life. And, you know, one of the things is, I mean, in almost every, every religion that I know of, I'm not sure I know of every single one of them, but every religion that I know of in the world, you know, has a, a central point, God is love. So whether you're religious or not, the point is that people intuitively know that love is at the core of the energy of life. You know, that's, and it starts with you being able to love just being alive in the, in who you are, you know, just accept it. Uh, Whoever we are, we are the, we are what we are. We are the age we are. We are the size we are. We have the color hair we have, you know, and there's some things we can fool around with and change and some things we can't. And we just enjoy our life because the package isn't the point. The heart is the point.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect place to end that. <laughs> the package is not the point. The heart is.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: Wow. Well, this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so well, much. Thank you,
1: Jasmine. I enjoyed it very much. And I'm very glad to get to know you.
0: You So you're I, right?
1: I hope our paths will cross again. And I'm very excited for you that you have this wonderful business going. That's fabulous.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's say, let's say somebody listen to you and like we're like, oh, I got to talk to Judith. How do they do it?
1: Um, the easiest way to do it is there's a contact me page on my website, which is very easy to remember. It's www.theword3, T-H-R-E-E dash principles, no space, three principles, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S dot com. So if you go to wwwtheword three principles.com. Uh you can find out a lot about a lot of stuff that I do and uh a contact me page and you can just do it and I'll get an email and I'll I'll respond.
0: Yeah and you could you guys I, I did before she we came on this call I did Judith Sedgman and there you go bye you,
1: you found her. <laughs> like you yeah. can find her right there. But yeah you can, go can Google me. It. Yeah that's the other thing.
0: <laughs> yeah the, the Google the Google thing can you get her? get yeah. straight to her.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You can Google anybody, though. It's not as no. simple.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, I know.
1: I know, no, I, I, but, you know, I thought it was really cool one time when somebody said, oh, I looked you up on Google and I found you and I thought, ooh, and then I realized yeah. I could look up, you know, Mickey Mouse or, you know, <laughs> Joe, Blow, Joe Blow and they're all on Google. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, listen, thank you very, very much again. You're welcome. For the conversation. And yeah. uh, I hope yeah. that... But you, yeah, you, know, you guys heard something because this was like there. We were a nice space here. We we're floating in love, <laughs> and I'm gonna tell everybody to dream it, there and do it, live the life they want, and I'll see you guys next week. Take care, bye.